Welcome to Work Life and RV Episode 3, a podcast about living and working full-time from a tiny home that goes down the road. I'm Chris. And I'm Hadia. And since 2015, we have lived full-time in Lady Jupes, our RV. Today, we've woken up at the repair shop in the Pacific Northwest. Yep. In this episode, we're talking about stereotypes in RV living, ones that we've encountered and how to handle them. But we are actually in the repair shop yard right now. This is one of the signs it's a great repair shop for our viewers is they don't even bat an eye when you ask, can we spend the night? No. And they're like, no, you spent a lot of money here. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's just really true because there's some shops that are truly geared for our viewers and they get it. It's it's our home. They yeah. really, truly get that. And uh, we had a bunch of maintenance done on Lady Jupes, our RV. The standard stuff like oil changes, had the wheel bearings checked, had the chassis lube, coolant swap, you know, all the kind of standard mm. maintenance stuff you do when a vehicle hits 40,000 miles as well as fixing our furnace. Fixing our furnace. Oh, and let's not forget that we got the windshield a screen The fixed. screen is so, so nice. So it's not doing the shuk, 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 thing. Now it's just doing the shuk, 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 shuk. It's even and it's shucking. But how nice is it to have the furnace again? It's so nice to have that working again. And it turns out it was a sale switch, even though you thought, yeah, I, mean, I couldn't get all the way to it because I think you have to take the blower out. But I looked in there and I put a light on it. But uh, it, I was sent a note by a listener that it's a tiny – so that it's a big metal sail switch that mm-hmm. gets pushed by the wind, which then touches a tiny little white switch. Mm-hmm. The sail switch pushes on a white switch. And that tiny little switch can get covered with dirt. And if that's blocked, oh. then it, it doesn't work. It was a pretty easy fix, too. When I was talking to them about it, it sounded like it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, especially if you know how to take a furnace in and out in, like, you know, no time. That's not us. No, (laughs) that's where that's where uh, we run out of our our skill set there. But we also had them look at the seals on our roof to make sure that our fan seal, like the, you know, the goop up there. That's what it's technically called. Yep. Um, It gets old after a while. And once it starts to crack, it can leak. And in fact, there were a couple that needed fixing, like the seam between the cab and the rest of the house, that needed to be fixed. We also decided, just done with our damn ladder. Just get it out of here. We don't want this thing anymore. It's been The factory installed ladder yeah. has been awful. You can't use it. It just sort of like clunks around in the back, unsecured. Yeah. As we drive, the back, the back fiberglass vibrates and it unscrews... Mm-hmm. The ladder constantly. We've had it reinstalled. We've had it reinforced. We've yes. had wood installed behind had, the fiberglass. And we then had, had creepy the people in Arizona that were trying to rob us. Instead, we convinced them to help us try and reattach our they ladder. They zip-tied it back on for us. Yeah. You know, that's a story we should tell on the podcast. Oh, yeah. The time we almost got hijacked by... Rather than handcuffing us with zip ties, they used the zip ties to help us. Yeah. That was quite the turnaround. <laughs> that's a story we should tell. Yeah. yeah. There's there's those standard things and non-standard things that we like to have done when we take it in. But there's also some important things we always ask them to check. Which are the brakes. And we know that we're a little bit more concerned about them than maybe we need to be but we don't know and this is our home and we don't want to have to stop halfway on a trip to fix it well also it's just you get the, the so we've had this for over four years and it's got forty thousand miles on it and we've never had the brakes replaced so you just get to a point where you're like is it time and this is where you really need to rely on an expert so if you think we should wait we'll wait yeah, and wait, then definitely. i mean we'll be back in we're what in here every four or five months anyway right so then we'll just do it again you know look at them at that time if you need to or if okay. you feel something different you know okay smaller, you know, 
But it seems to drive fine. You didn't notice anything? No, yeah. I didn't see anything. So when that was all done, we ended up boondocking there, which was great. They allowed us to stay the night on the, that time it was on the uh, west side of the building. (laughs) Really? We're going to do that now? (laughs) Yes. Last night we stayed on the east side, and I have to say that I prefer the east side. Can I mention my favorite moment during the day? So we stayed in the morning a little late so we could pay them. Yeah. We got in late. They let us get on our RV and spend the night. They forgot to give us the ignition key. Yeah. When I went and paid in advance. Happened. And so we when we showed up to take the RV, we just we had the door key. So we just spent the night and paid the next morning. And um that meant that the sun could come up a little bit. And it wasn't even a perfectly clear day, but for the first time since we've gotten the new solar system, a magic moment happened where I looked at our estimated battery life and we weren't hooked up to anything and it said infinite battery life and i i looked down and i said because i'd never seen that before and I, what <laughs> infinite and it's because we were drawing in for the first time a lot more solar than we needed to just run uh-huh. and we were charging the batteries it was glorious so between getting some solar to charge our battery array back up and getting the furnace fixed all of a sudden, Lady Jupes was a lean, mean, boondocking machine. And boondocking, we did. We left JR's and drove out to Razor State Park. Two things of interest here. One, apparently we've never stayed at a state park. I mean, we've been there for day trips and to hang out and play, but we've never actually camped the RV at them. Often they're too small. They don't have hookups. And the entryway can be, you know, it's just not necessarily paved and really nice. No, this one was lovely. Cement everywhere, even Mm -hmm. the campsites. There were some sites that had hookups, but they were closed for the winter. Right along the Skagit River, Mm -hmm. tons of cool trails, really cool trails. We had a lot of fun with the kids exploring. Memory-making trails, adventures. Dylan fell in the river. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We took shifts taking the kids out because one kid didn't want to go out in the cold. She's not really into wet weather, Yeah, she says. So Chris took the two older kids out, and I stayed back with Levi, the dog, and the younger kid. Right. And then we swapped. By the time you came back, you were radioing me to let me know that Dylan had fallen in the river and needed dry clothes. Right. We take the little uh, two-way radios with us when we go out hiking. And Dylan, of course, wanted to be, you know, a 10-year-old boy and climb along the bank. And I kept telling him, Dylan, that's too close. And finally, a, a branch gave. And he got the full front splashed down. Thankfully, his upper body was still on the on the... This is not a fast-moving, crazy no, river. This no. is a little... It was actually river. very calm. For It's a very large river. But this corner of it is just so serene and so still and so pretty and so green. The water was almost effervescent green. Oh. The trees were covered in moss. It was it was a cool hike. There was caves from tree what? roots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll show you the caves. They were really <sighs> cool. Thankfully, we got that in before the rain came because Mm -hmm. some of the most significant rain we have seen in a while. And you can tell in an RV, you get a sense because of how hard it's smashing down Mm -hmm. on your roof. Just torrential. And then you get those big fat tree drops. The campsites turned into rivers and lakes. We had a little stream underneath our steps. Yeah, it was full of water. And I was very glad that we didn't have any electrical cables down or any hoses. We didn't have anything touching the ground except for our tires and jacks. 
Mm-hmm. I was kind of grateful at that point because there was standing water, mm-hmm. which also meant we discovered a, a new problem. <laughs> yeah. Remember those roof seals we had checked? Well, this wasn't a roof seal, but we did end up, I woke up in the middle of the night. Uh, I think it was a a day before we were planning on leaving. Woke up at four o'clock in the morning and I heard this tap, 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 tap. And you know what? An RVer's brain goes, where's the mouse? You think it's a mouse. And I'm like, where's the mouse? You're in a state park. Yeah. This is this is what I go to. One time I was washing dishes and I kept thinking there was a mouse somewhere underneath the sink. And I realized it was the spray hose that I kept moving to rinse dishes. And as you move it, it's knocking over stuff under the sink. <laughs> but I was like convinced we had a mouse again. Anyway, so I'm squinty eyed, half awake, looking around, trying to figure out where this mouse is when I realized that we have got a steady, significant leak going down on the part of the couch that meets up against the back of the dinette. Yeah, so it's dripping Soaked. from like the center sconce of the, the wood framing that comes on the slide, mm-hmm. and it's, and it, which is, must be the low point of that mm-hmm. whole slide, and it's dripping on the couch pretty significantly. So, of course, we go into dry mode, try to dry everything off, and then I brought the slide in. Yeah, which prevented it from the, the leak from continuing. Right. And then I called JR and said, hey, JR. Actually, I think it was George I was talking to. Hi, Georgia. Um, I uh, I said, hey, can we just come right on back? We hadn't even made it to the junkyard yet, and we were coming directly back to JR's, which is how we ended up waking up here at JR's all over again this morning. I think since we have owned this rig, when it really, 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 really rains, we've gotten water that ends up standing on top of the slide. Like, it, it comes in from the slide topper. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we asked them, is there anything you can do? We're not sure if this is a design problem. Take a look at this. And, and can you tell us what you think the problem is? Okay, JR, tell me what's going on with my, what was that leak about? Okay, so the, where the fascia, inside fascia meets the roof of the slide, there's tape that's there. And we know that it's been replaced before because we replaced it one of the times. But it gets hung up in the flap seal. Yes. And it rolls it every time it goes in and out. So this time we used a wider Eternabon tape to try and get past that flap seal. That way, we're hoping that it'll stay. Um, but somehow, it lifted right there in the center. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the roof of the slide actually has a dip in the center. Is it supposed to? No, but there's no way that I'm going to fix that without building a whole new roof, which we're not going to do. Yeah, okay. This should solve the problem. Okay. Um, I don't know how hard it rained last night, but did you have a problem this morning? No, but we didn't have the slide out. We, oh, okay. we just got home and put the slide out today. Oh, okay. Um, we spent the night in your parking lot again. Well, I saw you out there this morning. But, mm-hmm. um, so anyway, I think that was the whole problem. You can see, I don't remember who took the picture. There's a One of the guys took a picture, and you can see the tape was all bunched up, mm-hmm. and it's because it's hitting that flap sill. Yes. got to have the flap sill, but you got to have... Yes. That seal, too. So it's kind of a catch-22. So is this something we just got to keep an eye on? We're just going to have to watch it. And more. how do we keep an eye on it? You know, because you got that much room to look over the top. Mm-hmm. So it's probably the next time you're in for something. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that's a ways down the road. But we need to get up there and just see if it's staying. Okay. Know, we'll know right away if it's rolling up. You know, I think we should probably just get some work done right about now. Yeah, this week we wanted to talk about our ever-evolving attempt to keep track of important paperwork 
and keeping on top of different projects and what tools we have used. Paperwork is definitely tricky as you're full-timing in an RV. Mm. And there's things like passports, birth certificates, marriage licenses, oh, yeah. all kinds of paperwork for children and for Automo- cars. So anytime, and- anytime we take a vehicle in to get work done, that stuff, I've just now finally made an effort to continually scan it. And we've been using Evernote to keep track of our maintenance. And I'm not really entirely well-versed on how to use Evernote. You've been using it for a long time. Yeah, Evernote I have a love-hate with. I love that it's so good at replacing a scanner. You don't you don't need to buy a scanner. You just take a picture of a document. It recognizes the characters on that page so you can search by the words that are in the scan document. That's huge for us. Mm-hmm. Because you take a picture of something once, you put it in Evernote, then like two, three, four, ten years later, you're like, what? Uh, I know it's an mm-hmm. F53 Super Duty, and then it, all the paperwork with that just comes up. And that's so useful with the RV when we're going to a repair shop and even just VINs for our yes. different vehicles. We keep I've them in there. I use it a lot for that. That kind of stuff is so great. Uh, I still have a hard time parting with the paper copies, so we, we end up trying to get like weatherproof uh, crates or we try to store them at my office or storage bay. We've tried so many different things. Evernote does give me the confidence that it's backed up and it's retrievable. There's a hundred different ways to crack that nut. And that's just one that for years, I mean, maybe 10 years now, I just keep coming back to after trying a lot of other stuff. I wonder if anybody else has any other techniques. Oh, for sure. There's lots. I'd love to hear them, especially people that are keeping track of like RV paperwork for repairs because we have a warranty through wholesale warranty. So we also want to make sure we're tracking all of that. Then we have our individual businesses and there's tons Mm -hmm. of paperwork around that. So I have all of my business paperwork is retrievable. And then I have a different set of documentation and notes that I keep in other systems. So it's Mm -hmm. it's not perfect, but it's something that we've struggled with. And try to try to whatever solution we go with, I think, make sure it's mobile. It's not location mm-hmm. dependent. Unlike my lifeblood, which I carry around with me and is doomed to fail at some point. So that's her journal or what would you call it? More like a notebook? Well, no, I guess it's a journal because I do journal in it. But I also keep track of all of my appointments and everything. And it's sort of free form. And it's not how you should do it. Because if I were to lose this, I would suddenly not know who's yeah. on my next acupuncture shift. So don't, I don't keep identifying details, people. This is it's still HIPAA compliant. Listen, just just stop right there. But wow. but it no, I, no, I don't think anybody's thinking that. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, you might be right. There yeah. are people. You know, what I was going to say is if it really, really mattered, you could always take an Evernote picture of a couple pages. Yeah, but then and I have done that yeah. occasionally. Sometimes my gut goes, "Take a picture, girl. You're going to forget this," and then something will change. Like somebody cancels, somebody else adds on. Yeah. Anyway, you like to draw out the calendar. You like to make your notes. Even when we're taking notes for the podcast, you'll you'll write it out in in there. And I've actually taken to writing more things down too in a smaller notebook that's more portable that I keep in my backpack with me because it is just for me. Well, two things. I remember it a little bit better if I write it down. Yes. I also write slower than I type or take audio notes. So I think there's something to that. Mm -hmm. But I kind of have like a a spatial memory in a sense is what I'll call it where I, I, I visually remember where things are better than a filing system. So I could probably memorize the location of my notebook. I have an image of that right now in my head better than I can retrieve a file on a computer. Assuming your wife didn't move your notebook. Yeah, that's true. Which happens all the time in an RV. You know what I really like about my lifeblood? I keep all of them. Eventually this will, that'll be. Where are you going to store it though? Eventually. Um, I mean, it's not so it's big. Currently, we... old, old ones are stored in a, anyway. In a crate. I mean, in a crate. But yeah. he, 
it's a weird way of scrapbooking. It's not a pretty way of scrapbooking, but I can turn through here and sometimes I'll come across a grocery list or I'll come across some sort of um, writing prompt that I did or some homework or um, some intention setting that I did. Some of my woo-woo stuff is in here. And I, I get a good sense when I look back at what was at. going on in my life then. Yep, absolutely. I, I like that. I totally agree with that part of it. Um, I, that's actually one of the thoughts that made me start doing notes like that again was when it comes to business decisions or decisions about what we want to do with the RV, like we had, we really had to think about the solar upgrade because it was so much money. Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, you know, if I'd been keeping journals about this thought process, I could review that. And I feel like I'd be more solid in my decision to spend this much money if I had reviewed like a history of my evolving thought process. Because I can kind of recall it mentally, but if I had written it down in a journal, like my notes about the different solar systems mm -hmm. that I tried and looked at, I think I would have been more confident. Now having the, the, now the fact that we just did like a nearly a week of boondocking, I I I am so happy with our system and yeah. So I'm, I'm good. I'm good. But I that kind of made me that kind of put me over and pushed me over to start taking notes about my RV stuff and writing that things down because I think it'll be useful for future Chris. You creating your own little lifeblood over there. <laughs> uh, I have one tip for us future for future us again while we're talking about things we could do to make future life easier. I think if we sign up for a mail forwarding service for both our personal mail and our business mail, it would be so much simpler for us. We, if we could review images on the computer and approve stuff and have it sent to us or just have it discarded, because right now physical mail for both personal and business stuff, I think is a real struggle for us because mm. sometimes we're nowhere near where our physical mailbox is at. We'll go a week or two without checking it just because yeah. life gets crazy and we fall behind and sometimes there's time like my jury duty summons <laughs> that, that just happened recently. We fall behind sometimes. And I feel like if we signed up for a mailing, a mail forwarding service, but the problem is all the good ones are kind of expensive where they scanned and forwarded your mail mm -hmm. and we could then just take that stuff. That's really important and just put it right into Evernote. It'd be a pretty clean workflow and we'd never have to deal with all the physical paper and we could do it from wherever we are in the RV. I see some real pros to that. I've been uh, reticent about it this entire time. But then something happened last week and I thought about it and I went, oh, no, that's a viable way to do it. But I can't remember what I came up with. I just know that I'm leaning in favor of it now. It could be that I could still I think it's I like getting letters from people. Not that I get them often. Yeah, but, but you can have them for I them. can st or I can have them sent to the addresses that we do have mailing. And those could be things I physically pick up. We just yeah. diminish what goes to our. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. No. That's a totally great point. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Also, um, I think we, I think the other thing that's held us up is we're like, well, sh if we do this, should we do this as part of like joining the escapees club? Mm -hmm. Maybe even looking at establishing a residency in Lexington, Texas, which is then where I'd want to get a storage unit for like permanent longer term storage. And that's a lot of knock on effects. So I think for now it's, I think I want to scale it back and just think about mailing service and put the escapees club membership and residence and storage on the back burner as a separate topic. And I, I don't know when we, maybe we do this, maybe we set a goal for like later this year or something. Cause it's kind of a, the challenge is it's such a big change to make. You have to update all your mailing, all that stuff, but yeah, be pretty efficient. That'd be a great upgrade to our work in the RV. I think our work. I think lifestyle. you're right. Let's do a little housekeeping. 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 Come back later, please. Housekeeping? Not now. Housekeeping. 
I want to start by giving a shout out to our first ever Apple Podcast review. Yay! Yay! Thank you so much. This comes from Guinness guy Pat. I'm not going to tell you what he said, but really? it was. Uh, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. We don't have to. No, I actually don't mind saying it. I don't know why I don't see it there. We just didn't grab it. Anyway, he says nice things, and we like nice things. Reviews and ratings are so, so, so yeah. helpful at this stage because it lets other people find the podcast. When you search for RV podcasts, the ones that have reviews and ratings will be displayed. And if you like what we're doing here or you see potential in where we're going, that would really make a huge impact for us. Even if we got somewhere like 15, 20 reviews, we could probably go to the top of the charts. Yeah. So one is a great start, but we could use some more. Also... While we're doing a little housekeeping stuff, there's a new blog post that you just wrote up that expands even further on our main topic today. It's good. <laughs> That's all you can add. That's all I got to say. Okay. It's good. <laughs> Actually, it's good, but I think this is, I think they go well together. Yeah. We won't always have... A, a podcast for every blog. Or a podcast. Yeah, a blog for every podcast or podcast for but every blog. But that's the way it's worked out. Yeah. I so like far. it, though. Yeah. And uh, it's just nice additional reading. There's more up there. Now, why don't we talk about those stereotypes in RV life? Because this was something that, A, I didn't realize I had a few that I had made. Mm -hmm. And B, I was not prepared to have people a cast upon me. Which is interesting. And I think at the end of all of this, we're going to talk over ways to deal with stereotypes that you encounter. And I think the fact that we didn't expect them identifies how we handle them. In a weird way, it points to the way in which we deal with other people's opinions. We'll get to that at the end. But I think it's interesting that neither one of us were really expecting. Yes. Do you want me to start with the one that was probably the biggest realization for me? Might be a good way to kind of like my I didn't realize I had a stereotype and that was we were boondocking in an area right next to a homeless encampment. There was probably about 20, 30 homeless people that were living in this area in a town. And we just didn't realize when we parked there. They're and, tucked back in the woods. Yeah, exactly. And as the day went on, they would sort of be going past the RV and going and coming. And we were there for a couple of days. And I remember feeling very very, very uncomfortable leaving my RV parked there while homeless people were walking back and forth because they're homeless. Mm -hmm. And it was maybe that day or later that day, there was a news report that came on the local Seattle ABC affiliate and called people living in RVs homeless. Yeah. And it hit me like, well, they're calling me homeless and I'm calling those people homeless. Mm -hmm. And I felt like such a small little insignificant moron because it's they didn't they never harmed our rv I no. we've never gone back to that spot to be fair but they they have they don't want to cause any trouble i've walked by that plenty of times mm -hmm. my sense is actually and of course this is pure ignorance but that they were very cooperative with each other trying to get stuff done i'm and i mean they <sighs> stereotypes yeah i think you have all these you have all these stereotypes the rv the RV homeless people are painted by the news as one stereotype. Mm -hmm. um, then you have hashtag van life on Instagram that portrays this entirely other life. Oh, it's so fancy. It's so. What is the word for it? It's um, not glamorous, but it's, it's idealized. It's like freedom. It's yeah. like it's freedom. And You're there's not... there's nothing more glamorous than poping into a bucket in your van. I mean, <laughs> I I. I could not feel better about my life choices than wow. when I'm telling my girlfriend to turn off the camera because I just got to poop real quick before we put her in a bikini and take a picture of her hanging out the back of the van. Wow. I served. 
served. And I'm a private pooper too, so that'd be rough for me. Private pooper. So there's pooping for money. Wow. <laughs> I don't think you should quit your day job, but that was pretty good. Yeah. I, so there's um there's those types of stereotypes. But then there's also I don't know if these are fully stereotypes, but they're institutional biases that I think come from stereotype thinking. Yeah. It's like the ways in which our system haven't adapted to people who don't have residential addresses. And I think it's in part because they look down upon this, like as if this isn't a thing that's happening. First of all, as if if you look at the homelessness aspect, as if that's not a real thing that's really happening. We're just going to pretend like it's not there. Right. Same thing with RV living. People who choose to live in RVs. Oh, no, people don't do that. And if they do, they're destitute. Nope. There's a wide range of what's happening. So what ends up happening is they just systems as a whole pretend like it's not something that they have to leave room for and then say, I go get a go to get my driver's license updated and they want to know my residential address and I don't have one. I had to jump through so many hoops. I had to get on the phone. I had to have like a meeting phone call with the DOL, again, Olympia, have somebody call me to verify that I'm a human being that deserves a driver's license, even though I don't have a residential address. Yeah. And it gets even worse when you get into banking for loan applications. They want to know your history of how long you've lived somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, the property you own. I think it really comes from this from this assumption that, well, everyone is going to live the American dream. And the American dream is you go out, you get yourself some land, you get a home, you get yourself two cars and 2.5 kids. and You create a life that they can watch and gauge your responsibility in society. And without those metrics, you seem like a threat on some level. Either or at least a risk. A, a risk or you're disturbing the way in which they measure everything. And then that is at least a threat to the ease of their system. Yeah. I own the building that my work studio is at. And that has that has basically been a crutch for me to use mm-hmm. when that when the, when it really comes to this as an issue i said well i okay i have this piece of property here i've owned it for over 10 years but then you see what happens is you end up with jury duty in the county yes. where the studio is and that's not where you live and they don't get that right that is actually quite literally the issue there's also the time where we were pretty afraid we were not going to be able to adopt a dog oh yeah before we got levi we really were in love with this dog named toby and at the Humane Society, they want to come check out your property. Check out the yard, check out the house. Yep. And we were we got denied and we were pretty distraught about it. Very. And we were good candidates in all the other ways. We really showed that we cared. We'd showed up a couple of times. Um, but another family got Toby. We don't know if it's because they had a no. house. But we did call. Like we were distraught enough because we knew we wanted a dog that, let's be honest, you made me call them. And ask if it was because we lived in an RV or, you know, I coached it a little bit de- different than that. I'm just like, hey, we just we're just wondering what because, because we live a sort of unique lifestyle and we're looking for a small dog that'll travel well. And we and, and what she said was, no, that that wasn't it. They hadn't even gone out. OK, but that doesn't mean that they wouldn't have judged against us if they had gone out. I mean, a lot was anyway, it caused more concern. Yeah, it was an issue when we're like, oh, this is something they they ask us. Uh, The one that cuts so deep, though, is uh, getting denied for food delivery. 
Yeah. They won't deli- some places won't deliver to an mm-hmm. RV. A lot of places will. I think we've we've had more success than we have failures now. Well, I think we learned a lesson. We don't say deliver to the RV. We give the address of where we are and when they can't find us and they call us, we go, "Oh, we're over here in the RV." Yeah. We did that in Montana when we did the Harvest Host right. at that brewery. We really wanted pizza, but we called around, "Will we will you deliver?" Well, where? Well, we're in an RV in this parking lot. No, 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 no. And finally like, "No." We're at the brewery. Oh, okay. They showed up with the pizza. Where are you? We're over here. We're just, we're, we'll meet you in the middle of the parking lot, okay? You don't even have to touch the RV. It's not a thing. Yeah, they'll sh- they'll they'll deliver to a closed business, but not to yes. an RV in the parking lot of the closed that business. That doesn't, you know, raise any red flags. That's so weird. Um, and then the one that uh, we've kind of hit recently is the kids and their friends. Yeah, I don't I don't know that this will really be an issue, but it was interesting to hear that Abby had been explaining how much she loves the junkyard in the RV to her friend that she wanted to have come over. And from the way Abby described it, they didn't get it. Why you want an that RV? That sounds awful. Sound, yeah. Or junkyard? That sounds awful. Well, that does sound awful. But there's so much that can't really be translated. Yeah. Yeah, um, but there's other ones, too, that are like some of that's like expected with the kids. Um, If they saw it, they'd probably get it with banks. Okay, there's a system that's been this way for a while, so it's kind of understandable. And some of us have tricks to solve that problem. But some of the harder ones can really be the misunderstandings that friends or family sometimes have with us. Um, Sometimes it's said out loud, which happened over the holidays this year. Um, And sometimes it's an abrupt, an abrupt stopping of a conversation yeah because they don't know how to interact with that conversation or it's been five years and they've had an excuse every time never to come over yeah and they always want well if we're going to see let's do it let's do it let's do it at our place instead of the rv um so that's been there it's rare and it doesn't it doesn't here's the thing it does not mean that that these that the people that you're interacting with and there will be people listening to this who get this right if you have friends and family who you feel that tension that resistance it doesn't mean that they don't care about you or don't want you to be well it's that they're stuck in their own preconceived idea that people who live in an RV are destitute or not well and they don't want to be exposed to that they don't want to see you living in squalor but we're not in the blog, that's the main thing I touch on is that is that you can help them see it in a different way if you're patient and you're willing to continually expose yourself as being well while also talking about your living situation, just sort of throwing it in there, but not being defensive about it. If you're defensive, people think there's something that you're ashamed of and we are not ashamed of this. We actually think it's a little weird that people haven't picked up on that quite yet. Yeah. That we're proud of our RV. I think for some family, it comes from a place of concern about, well, what are you going to be doing in 30 years? What about equity? What about what about you know, selling your home mm-hmm. and, and taking that revenue? You know, an RV depreciates. Yes. So it comes from, I think, a, a place of, well, these are the very standard ways mm-hmm. that the middle class is able to get some wealth and you're not following these practices and you're just getting older. So your window of opportunity is closing. What's your plan? What's your plan? What's your plan? Right. But this goes down to what I think is a generational difference in perspectives. I think different generations look out at the future and think, uh, sorry, chief, that doesn't look sustainable. Yeah. And we're going to do it a little differently this time. Yeah. 
No judgment on the on the generations before who have done things, but we've watched enough people work themselves to the grindstone, not practicing doing what lights them up and then getting to retirement and being in physically incapable of enjoying themselves. Yeah. And that's a big part of it for us is like, let's do this when we are young enough that driving a 14 hour day won't take us out for three days to recover. Where we're flexible enough to do the car math and uh, have to figure out last minute how where we're going to be sleeping. Like these are challenging. These are challenges hard. that we are that maybe it's because we're young. Maybe it's because of the way our brains are wired. Chris and you and I both are. I don't know. Maybe that's it. But whatever it is, it's not a hardship for us. It's just a different set of problems. But we can do it. And it affords us a type of freedom and authenticity that we absolutely would not get living the standard American dream. Well, and for me, living nearly a week in a picturesque state park was so therapeutic when I was going through some really rough stuff at work that was just taking a lot of focus, taking a lot out of me, mm-hmm. really just keeping a lot of plates spinning. And I needed something different. I needed something not unique, but, um, you know, so- something just sort of that could reinvigorate me, something that could totally change up my narrative mm-hmm. and, and, and really give me some contrast to what I was experiencing. Some people talk about changing a pen. How changing a pen or changing a notebook will change the way your brain thinks about something. Imagine changing where you wake up in the morning. Or just the lighting, how quiet it was. Being able to go for these hikes. Um, And then the the delight, like the kids were so delighted that you couldn't, it was infectious. You couldn't help but be having fun Mm -hmm. out there because they were having so much fun. And it was like we were kids again. You know, I'm climbing on I'm climbing on the banks of rivers. You're out doing dances with the kids. And yeah, beatboxing in the forest. Yep. Dig in a hole. Dig in a hole. Dig in a hole. And you know, we just, it, oh man, it really just came at the right time. It, it was so nice to have everything click together. And make that work. And it's so hard to convey that to the family that doesn't fully understand the context. Yeah. And I don't know that they're capable of it. So do we judge them for judging us? It's very tempting when that happens to be offended. But it doesn't solve the problem of wanting to be connected with people who live a different type of life. And if you didn't want to be connected to these people, it wouldn't hurt that they don't understand. So if connection is your real goal, you you, you're going to have to take a closer look at how you respond to people's opinions and what response is going to get you the connection that you're looking for. And for me, it it really comes down to two words. You have security and you have sustainability. Yes. And security is an investment in a piece of property that should continue to appreciate over a predictable amount mm-hmm. of time. And by X amount of years, you should have X value and be sitting pretty. Yes. That's security. But it, it nearly gives me an anxiety attack just even describing it. Like for me, I want sustainability. I need something else. Yes. That's not what I need to get through life right now. Maybe I will one day. Like, And I don't judge people that need that because no. it's just different personality types. It's different lifestyles, each their own. Um, 
and I'm not opposed to having both. I'd love to maybe have a piece of land with mm-hmm. a little with a little. I think home what you're it. saying is we're not really into security. Uh, not that we judge people f- for wanting security. We're into stability. We could use some stability. Yeah. That's what a home base is yeah. for us. Yeah. Stability. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But we yeah. don't need. We don't need security more than we need sustainability. Sustainability is what keeps us alive and well in the present moment, not just, okay, I know when I retire, I'm going to be okay. This is what I have noticed. There's a couple of different ways that we can intrinsically respond to people. And this is true regardless of whether or not they vocalize the stereotype that they have about it, because let's be honest, you can feel it even when people don't vocalize it. And they may think, well, at least I'm not vocalizing it, so I'm not hurting them. It can still hurt you a little. So there's a few different ways you can handle it. The first is just to be so neutral that you don't care. You Really, it's okay what people think. And that's kind of where I think that we are. We're yeah. largely there. I, I just, I forgive people because they don't have the context. Like, if you knew everything and you experienced our yeah. adventures, you'd get it. My preferred way to do it is to plant little seeds. And that is basically to show up Show that you are well, and then when it organically arises, an opportunity to talk about it, just say it, but don't like just mention it, but don't mention it in a forceful way or waiting for them to react. Just act like it's no big deal, like you drive a Subaru. No big deal, right? I live in an RV. It gives people a a beat to look at you, figure out, well, she doesn't look destitute. She seems sort of happy. Okay, maybe this is something different, and it stretches the way that they envision somebody who lives in an RV. You've planted a seed without asking them to do anything about it or say anything about it or tell you that they totally believe in what you're doing. You're not asking anything of them. You're just gently planting the seed that you are well and that you choose this. And I enjoy it. Yes, I enjoy it. And it's, of course, it's understandable. There's a there's a range. Some people don't choose it. Some people have no choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can totally connect with that, too, because I could see a, a scenario where you and I are <laughs> you know, not able to choose it anymore. There there was times when we'd moved into an RV where we were very grateful because money was tight. When I was running JB as a LLC on its own, um, there was some really tight times and it was really great to be in an RV where I wasn't paying a rent on the land. Yeah. Um, now it's nice to be able to have a choice. How about a little when full-timers rule the world? I'm very excited about mine. Yes, you have a really good one because we've been talking about this one for years as we drive by lots. But can I start? Yeah, you we'll go save first. the best for last. Mine's kind of basic. I would love, love, love RVs to come pre-wired with home networking, aka Ethernet, actually in the walls because the walls are so thin and there's slides and all these other moving parts that I can't really. Re- that's one thing I can't really retrofit unless I go through the ceiling, and I don't want to do that. I can't, so I'm stuck on sort of a certain quality of wireless internet, and I just can't get any better than that. And in 2020, Hadia, when televisions and set-top boxes and toaster ovens and, of course, computers are all networked, it would be so, so great if the RVs just came with really good solid networking built in, into the walls, from factory, and on top of that, the RV could use that themselves. So the components could communicate over a much better signaling system than some of the systems they use today or wireless. Um, I know it's unlikely, but I would just love it to be standard. Uh I feel like in 2020, when there's so many digital nomads like us on the road, 
if nothing else, there should at least be an entire line of RVs that are like this by now. So if I had the king's hat, I'd ra- I'd wave that magic king wand <laughs> and I'd make that Your happen. Scepter? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I think is even less likely than a bunch of smart RVs being made? That could po- possibly happen, right? Yeah, that could possibly happen. I think even more unlikely is mine, which is getting all of the lot, the dealerships to put down their flipping jacks and level out before they put the slides out. Oh, it's yes, so girl. triggering to drive by all of these dealerships and see them leaning with the slides out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. the reason is we had to fix our suspension. And our slide. And when we took it in, they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, see, what happens is these rigs, they sit on the lot for a year or two with a lean. And slides out. And whatever side is the heaviest. So if you've got, say, a fridge and a water tank on your passenger side, mm-hmm. guess which way the RV is going to lean. And guess which way it's going to lean for a couple of years. And additionally, almost all RVs that have been made with any modern slide system in the last 10 years have implicit instructions to put the jacks down before you put the slides out. It's right next to the slide buttons. On ours, there's big lettering. Yeah. Big lettering. And of course they didn't. And they want to make them look impressive and they want to make them look inviting. So they put all the slides yeah. out. And then, and I don't understand how these rigs sit on a lot for years. There's, there's lots we drive by that have had the same rigs yep. for three years, just sitting there, depreciating and leaning. 20, 23 reflections in a row. So your, uh, your king's yep. scepter would be to, uh, what? <laughs> I don't, uh, what, is it because I'm waving my hand around yeah, like, a, like, yeah. like anybody could see me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would, would you be would to yeah. have all dealerships put, the jacks down before they put the slides Give out. me a fist bump on that one, girl. Mm. I'm going to use that for the next three episodes in a row because it warrants repeating. I think it's back to the home base after this for us, yeah? Yep. Go back. Uh, one thing I miss, I have really loved the boondocking for about a week now, which amazing. But the one thing I have really missed with hookups is our electric heat because those are all automated and it just keeps everything perfectly cumskies mm-hmm. and that I have missed. So I will appreciate that about being back at the home base.